This podcast episode is brought to you by Iron Source. They know you're here for good content, so they're not going to waste your time with a long pitch. Here are the three things you need to remember and know about Iron Source. Number one, they're developing the most robust data-driven growth engine for mobile games. Number two, their secret sauce is closing the monetization marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth. And number three, they have an awesome Medium blog and podcast called Level Up. You can find it on Medium by searching for Iron Source Level Up. Thanks. Hey, everybody, and welcome. Today, we have myself, Joe Kim, and Eric Kress, and we are joined by Matt Curtis, who is VP of Developer Relations at my kids' favorite game company, Roblox. Hi, Matt. How's it going? Doing well. Happy to be here. Awesome. It's great to have you with us. And for those in our audience not already aware, Roblox has been continuing to grow like crazy. The mobile app is regularly in the top 10 grossing charts and has shown massive growth over the past five years. There are actually 10 games that have reached 1 billion plays. And in fact, Adopt Me has surpassed 4 billion plays and set single game concurrent player records. So first of all, congrats on all the success of the platform and the massive popularity with players. <laughs> and also just to set the stage for our audience, what we want to talk about today is primarily number one, the history of Roblox and how it became successful. Two, how Roblox monetizes now and potentially in the future. Three, what's coming up for Roblox. And four, the key secrets to Roblox's success. But before we jump into all of that, Matt, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role at Roblox? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So I've been in the, the mobile free play space for over a decade. I uh, started my career at Kabam, where I focused on product management. Uh, I actually crossed paths with Eric there. So I've known him for quite a while. Very um, for, fortunate encounter, of course, for you. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yes, it's, it's, it's been a great run. Uh, yeah, so focus on product management in, in the strategy and RPG studio, then moved over to publishing towards the end of my tenure. I was there for five years. A uh, peer of mine started a consulting company after that. Um, and that's actually where we got our first taste of Roblox. So we were actually working at Roblox. They were one of our clients. Um, this is the 2016 timeframe. And we were helping out some of the top developers with, with game design stuff. And I think it was really fortuitous because it allowed us to get a head start and kind of understand what Roblox was all about. So much so that we tried to dive in and make a game ourselves. Um, it's still on the platform, quite proud of it. But, uh, you know, we we went in, mobile was kind of taking off, especially for Roblox, the Roblox app was doing really well. So we tried to make a mobile first product and it flopped, it just didn't work. And I think partly because we really wanted to understand why and, and we are stubborn, we kind of kept on digging in. And uh, we realized that, you know, there's a lot of gameplay mechanics that are probably prominent on, on the mobile space that um, are different on Roblox, given the social network aspect of it. So we continued to iterate. We added in a lobby, a lot of like social aspects, et cetera. And finally kind of realized some of these nuances and got to, I think, a pretty good spot. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for us to jump full time. So eventually one of our clients, Gree, brought us on full time. Um, I was there for, for a couple of years, focused on performance marketing, and then jumped over to Zynga for a couple of years where I led growth marketing. And luckily, um, I was able to you know, meet some, some key contacts at Roblox and stay in contact with them. Towards the end of last year, um, there was a role for developer relations that opened up. And 
And given my background and, and my experience, really my passion for games, it just felt like the perfect fit. So I uh, joined last October, been running developer relations since, and so far it's been a great run. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to be at Roblox and the growth has just been phenomenal. Right. And I know this has been covered in other places, but maybe just really briefly, could we talk about in terms of the history and origin of Roblox, like what was the original concept and what were any big pivots along the way to where we are today? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think it actually starts with our founder and CEO, Dave Pazuki. So even previous to Roblox, he actually founded a company called Knowledge Revolution. And it was actually a physics engine that was in the education space. And the one thing that he was always really impressed by is how creative the kids who used it were. And I think that was basically the foundation of Roblox. He wanted to create something that allowed others to just create unique instances, unique experiences. And um, even though we've grown like crazy and you know, I think we're thrilled of where we are and where the ecosystem has become and no one could have known how big it would have become from, from that point. Um, the overarching theme, though, is, is still there. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, the content on the platform are games. You don't need to make a game, though. You know, as a developer, you can make anything. We have other creations that are just really cool uh, instances to show off higher fidelity graphics, stuff like that. Um, they're really unique experiences. We have others that are educational um, and are trying to teach Lua and other code, coding uh, languages. So the, the overarching goal set is still there. And I think now that the majority of our content is games, um, we have changed and pivoted to trying to connect the world through games, trying to connect the world through gameplay, and really trying to get eventually to a more aspirational goal of like, creating the human co-experience. So I think somewhat audacious, really aspirational, but think Ready Player One. I think that's where we eventually want to be and where we want to go. But yeah, generally speaking, it's it's been consistent throughout. Got it. And when I look at some of the mobile data, it seems like there's just been slow, steady growth over time. But were there any sort of key moments along the, the company's history where something big has happened that allowed for much greater traction? Or has it just been like that slow, steady growth? Um, yeah, definitely slow and steady. That's been a big part of it. We, we definitely, we have this one value that uh, we, we really hold ourselves to called take the long view. And I think it's rare for a company to actually do that and actually practice, um, you know, that type of value. Uh, Roblox was founded way back in 2004. And Roblox Studio, which is our development platform, that was released two years later in 2006. And there wasn't really a way to make money at that point. We just had a bunch of users who were hobbyists who wanted to create content um, with their friends. Um, and then... We started to layer on more things. Uh, we launched mobile in 2012, first with iOS, and then Android in 2014. Um, and then in the middle of that, we also allowed our developers to start DevXing, meaning uh, they could uh, take some of the Robux that they were able to accrue with their creations and actually transfer it to real money. Then later in, I'd say 2016, we launched on Xbox, which is another nice uh, moment. And in fact, recently, we just did a bundle with them uh, for the Xbox S. It's brand new. Uh, you can actually buy an Xbox and then you get some extra in-game items and some extra Robux. It's really cool. Uh, more recently, we've been really doubling down on UGC though. So UGC, obviously all our content 
with our experiences as UGC, but our avatar items weren't to begin with. Actually, Roblox created all of those. Uh, late last year, we started to unlock um, that for the community. So now the community has the ability to build out UGC. We've been slow rolling it, but by end of year, we're hoping to get all of our avatar items, all our catalog items to 100% UGC. So that's really exciting. And yeah, and all of that, I mean, has led to where we are today. And just for some quick stats, I think you know, we're at 115 million monthly active users, 1.5 billion hours of monthly engagement. So it's been a wild ride, and I think it's even going to grow further. Well, I, uh, it's unbelievable that you've only been there for a year. You sound like the converted of some cult. <laughs> well, I mean, keep in mind, I've, I've been involved since 2016. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm all for it. <laughs> anyway, Curtis and uh, and one of the smart guys from uh, Kabam. I mean, there's a big group of people that were pretty smart at Kabam. It's like it's almost like a business school class because they all went off to do really cool stuff. Chris Pitts was the guy that you started to work with there. Yeah, Chris Pitts is awesome. He says he says hi by the way. Yeah, Curtis is one of those rare breeds though who's really smart and also nice. You know, Chris Pitts not so nice, but um, he's he's actually really nice now. That's uh, that's unfair. I, I don't know. I'm going to defend Chris. Yes. So anyway, I'm really happy to have you on. And um, also, frankly, I don't know all that much about Roblox. We talked yesterday a little bit. So this will be good for me to under, kind of understand. I did meet with the CEO and another guy from Kabam, Jeff Mayer, who is also very, very smart and very nice mm-hmm. most of the time. So I do know a little bit, but I, it's, it's a good opportunity for me actually to kind of get up to speed with what you all are doing. So... I guess the one thing that I always care about, uh, because I'm the finance banker type, I suppose, is uh, how do you make the money, right? The monetization design. So I'm just going to ask a few questions around that uh, to see uh, where you are now and where what the plans are for the future, et cetera. So what's interesting about your guys' thing is, from what I've seen is that you guys both do cosmetic as well as pay to win, right? There are modes in there in which you can spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars just to roll over other players in the uh in the game so i guess you know how do how does your player base handle all that like is it the, the fairness of that uh pay to win because pay to win is basically something that is getting more and more important to unlock for a console space uh similar to what fifa has done um and every experiment that's done with any type of pay to win gets a lot of blowback from the community so i'm just wondering how you guys handle that yeah, for sure. Um, well, you know, our, our developers choose how they monetize their content. So, uh, you know, they can choose if they want to go the vanity route, as you said, or if they want to offer in-game boosts or in-game items. Um, some do a combination of both. Others actually don't really focus on monetization at all. I think what's really unique about Roblox, though, is a social aspect, because you basically have a studio platform that allows people to create stuff. Um, but then you have this foundational layer that's a social network. And I think that leads to a lot of design decisions that you generally don't see frequently on other platforms. The other piece of the puzzle that's unique to Roblox is that we offer a lot of benefits out of the box that you don't get elsewhere. So we do all the infrastructure. Um, you don't need to touch any net code. Um, you, know, you, can, you can do one push, publish, and you have a game out there uh, that's, that's available on all platforms or platform agnostic. All geos, we support over 200 of them. And you don't have to deal with any of the backend infrastructure stuff. The other thing is, out of the box, you get synchronous gameplay with that social network. So 
a lot of developers will, will focus on that first and foremost. And as I noted earlier, like that was actually the biggest cur learning curve for, for me when I first came on. So the monetization aspects are, are, are interesting because they, they are a little different based on kind of the overarching gameplay. I think vanity is a much bigger aspect of Roblox because expression, people love to trade in games as well. That's another big aspect. So when it comes to, to pay to win though, I think the, given the social aspect, it almost self-corrects. Like the games that I think go too far one way or the other, people just don't play them because they have a wealth of other content to play in the platform because it's so easy to publish. It's so easy to create. It's so easy to iterate. And we also have a ton of users. And I think user acquisition is also really affordable relative to other channels. So um, for a new developer to get on, that's, that's another really interesting mechanism. What we want to do is provide more benefit to developers. And in fact, uh, to your point of monetization, because I did know there's some who just want to create really interesting experiences and don't care about kind of like monetization mechanics. We actually just launched something called Premium Payouts. Um, this is about a month ago. We just gave our first payment a couple days ago. And we're just paying developers off of user engagement. So because we're a social network result, it's another really interesting way that we can go about it. We care about the engagement more than anything else. And we want to ensure that our developers focus on that kind of first and foremost. So I think there's a lot of interesting things that we're doing and more to come where we're trying to incentivize developers just to make really good content. Huh. And so you're basically saying you guys don't really, you know, try to regulate what, how, what they charge and how much they charge. You're saying the users are basically regulating that themselves. Well, we do have some rules in place. So, I mean, we, we make sure there's transparency. Um, you know, if there's any uh, re region-based rules, et cetera, that's, that's definitely something that um, we ensure. Yeah, what, what happens in Belgium, right? Yeah, so we actually have rules for Belgium. Um, gotcha. And we have a really robust moderation team to deal with that. So when it comes to that stuff, we, we definitely have rules and policy in place. Now, generally big... speaking, oh, what's go that? Ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, generally speaking, though, a developer, it's, it's up to them how they want to design their game and, and how they want to monetize it. All right. The other thing I, I have to ask, because my kids will kill me if I don't, what is the deal with your language filtering system in which they can't chat and talk to their friends the way they want to talk to them? Can you explain why that's so frustrating for them? Yeah, well, we do it. We do it because safety is actually our number one concern. So I, I mentioned a lot of the cool things we do, like the infrastructure and stuff. But if you were to stack rank, like what what is most important to us, safety is by far the most important. We have a lot of players under thirteen. It's it's really important that we take that into account. So if are, are your are your kids under thirteen? I should probably know this, but I'm assuming yes, they're uh, yeah. If, if 10, that's the case, twelve. Yeah, so we're more stringent. And, and how we deal with users under 13. Um, you know, chat, we severely restrict certain words and phrases and numbers. So uh, apologize to them for me, um, but it's, it's because we really, really believe in safety. All right. Um, and the other thing that I was actually really curious about, so we're seeing this huge hyper growth on mobile right now. Um, yeah. And you guys were primarily a PC before that, I believe. Um, and you're also available on the Xbox, but not on Sony's platform, which is a little bizarre. So where do you guys see kind of the most potential for growth going forward? Is it, you know, obviously it's a combination of all three, but I'm more looking at the guys of PS5 and Xbox, you know, Series X. 
do you see a lot of growth on console um, or is it primarily going to be coming out of mobile? I, I mean, we're seeing a lot of traction on everything. I know it doesn't, I know you're not going to be satisfied with the answer, but <laughs> we, I mean, we are, we're, we're platform agnostic, right? Like as a developer, you can one click publish in your pretty much every platform. You just, you do have to make some minor UI UX changes, et cetera, for, for Xbox and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing growth in every area. Mobile has been the biggest one. Um, over over the last you know few years, so that's a big one for us. But I think it's also due to the fact that my team is is responsible for working directly with developers and making sure that they're supported. But our product engineering teams are constantly trying to introduce new tech and whatnot. So I think for us, um, and, and we can get into it a little bit later as well. I have some some concrete examples I can provide, but we're just trying to create higher fidelity tech infrastructure and tools for our developers so they can create deeper and more complex experiences. And um, I think that leads to growth. I think our international expansion has also been really good. You know, we've, we've started to do translations, but we're working on some pretty nice machine translation tech, which should help localize and, and potentially culturalize, get the right tone as well for certain geos. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of traction in places like Latin America, Eastern Europe, Southeast Asia, South Korea. So, I think it's more diverse than just like the core platforms uh, and especially because it's so easy for our developers to publish on those. Cool. All right, JK, go for it. Yeah. So maybe shifting gears a little bit to more about the platform and the dev community, I guess the first question there is more about the pipeline. So what, what are some of the key priorities and do you have any guidance in terms of, you know, new features or capabilities? You mentioned higher fidelity, but what, what, what are some of those key priorities and when, when is some of that stuff coming out? Yeah, so we have a lot coming down the pipe. You know, like I said, a priority to developers, we want to provide robust technology, really powerful tools and compelling value props. So I can give some examples um, for each, but like when it comes to the technology, one thing that we're really aspiring to do by end of year is actually facilitate 200 player servers by default. So imagine on Roblox, you, I mean, you could be a new user. You could download Roblox Studio you go and build an instance, you press publish, and by default, 200 players can play your game concurrently. And you didn't have to touch anything on the back end. Like, that, that would be pretty amazing. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. That's, that's pretty aspirational, working towards that. On the tooling side, we've done a lot of cool stuff. I think most recently, we released something called collaborative editing. So it allows uh, developers to code and build synchronously at the same time. So we have this concept of team create where you go into an instance with your team members and kind of build at the same time. But, you know, editing in real time has always been um, challenging. Usually there's mechanisms where you have to lock scripts and all that stuff. We've actually created a way that you synchronously do it. Um, you can actually see team members changing code, uh, but we'd have different write commands and whatnot. So you can make sure that everything is, is flowing in the right direction. But um, that's been, been really uh, awesome for us. And we've gotten some positive feedback from the developer community on that. And I think from the value prop perspective, uh, premium payouts. So, um, you know, as I said earlier, I think the biggest learning curve, especially for new developers, is just understanding the consumer behavior. Um, you know, because we're a social network, people consume content at a very different cadence. Their expectations are really different than other platforms. But what we want to do is just allow developers to focus first on engagement so then they can really get that right. Um, with premium payouts, you, know, you may get paid for that because it could even subsidize some of your development. 
And then you can focus on monetization if you want to. Um, but you know, monetization is usually an augmentation of just a base game. So if you don't have a solid foundation, it's just going to be a multiple off a small amount. So we think that's actually what's, what's most important. And just uh, in terms of development support right now, is it mainly Lua-based as far as the development is, is concerned? Are there plans to support other programming languages or... Is there right a, now, it's I, I can't say anything for other languages now. Right now, it is Lua. Uh, that that's our that's our primary coding language. The one thing I will say for for new developers, um, this is speaking from personal experience. Even if you didn't have experience with Lua, though, it's it's a relatively easy language to pick up, especially if you have coding experience or expertise. So, don't don't be scared of Lua. But yeah, no, it's it's mainly Lua right now. Okay, and then in terms of like new and upcoming games, so. Is there anything in the pipeline you think could be the next Meep City or Adopt Me? Anything we should be looking out for? Yeah, so as a platform, we don't pick favorites. So I, I can't say. Chris um, <laughs> is shaking his head. Dude, you can I mean, have look, a personal look, favorite, right? You don't look, need to look, look, speak regardless, for the company. Regardless, regardless, I think it would be really hard to say. Like, the, the games are so innovative. There's so many games that just pop out of nowhere occasionally because they're they're just so new and cool. I think there's been genres and subgenres like defined on Roblox that haven't existed previously. Chris, would you like to add anything? No, look, you can have a favorite child. Look, my favorite child's my daughter. I said it, all right? If my son hears this, too bad. Come on, there's got to be one that you like or that you enjoy that you no, can talk I, about. There's a ton I like. There's a ton I like, but I don't want to play favorites. So, all right, all right. All right. So Roblox, we, we've seen like the growth over the past eight years. I, although I characterized it as slow and steady growth, it's been actually kind of pretty crazy growth. How much further can this thing grow? Like how much more of the world can you guys capture? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we, we've been thrilled with what we built and the ecosystem that we have. And like, Chris is not going to like this answer either, but it's, it's, our, it's in our DNA that we always target like really aspirational and audacious goals. So the way we think about growth is exactly that. Um, and, and fortunately in the past when we've done that, we've been able to hit that. And I don't think it's necessarily a question of like when it stabilizes, it's, it's always the way we view it of when we hit our goal, okay, what's the next big thing we can do? What, what do we need to do to get there? Maybe it's something that is audacious and you know, we're gonna try and bite off and go after. So can't really give you a, a answer, a direct answer to that question, but I think the way that we approach it is even if we were able to hit and there was some stabilization, we'd look for another step function increase that we want to go after, and that would be the new growth goal. Right. And I, I think that maybe the the common view in terms of Roblox from a environment ecosystem perspective is that you've got like this, this set of users that are players, right? And those are like the young kids up to about 13 to 16, probably a little older than that now. And then you've got like the developer crew who are like 16 through early 20s who are creating the content for those younger kids. But at the same time, we've now been seeing like the developer payouts, you know, increasing quite dramatically. So 30 million in 2017, 70 million in 2018, over 100 million last year. And so when do bigger professional developers start jumping in? Is that starting to happen? And like, what, what is your perspective in terms of like the, you know, the, the, the inflection point or the turning point when a lot more developers start jumping in? Yeah, I mean, especially with the recent news of the new funding, we've been getting a lot of interest. 
And again, I think for new developers, the biggest learning curve is just understanding the nuances of the platform and, and, and really the, the players on Roblox because they are different. They expect different things. The games are different. But I think the way to think about it actually is like imagine Roblox is like a large MMO with a whole bunch of unique experiences, almost mini MMOs. Um, that's basically how it works because by default, everything's synchronous by default. You don't have to worry about the backend stuff. But I think one of the biggest benefits is for, for new developers especially, it's really easy to create and get stuff live. Um, it's also, like I said earlier, like relatively inexpensive compared to other platforms to get users into your game. So you can constantly iterate and figure out what works best. And, and I think that's a, that's a key component. With that being said, we're also really working on some big tech improvements, um, whether that is the, the performance of the infra infrastructure, um, the fidelity level, concurrently hosting 200 players from the get-go. So I think there's a lot of compelling things for new developers. And then when you tack on premium payouts, it gives even a bigger value prop to try. Um, because if you can create an engaging game, you're going to make money regardless of if you focus on monetization or not. Let me, let me be clear here. So the, the 100 million includes uh, microtransactions that are done within the individual's, individual games or developers' games? Yeah, or is so that on top of what they make on microtransactions? The, the 100 million is the payouts from the DevX that uh, the developers from that year um, use on Roblox. So it's, it's what they're making from their instances, from their creative uh, okay. experiences. So, so I, this is my biggest question. Well, there's, I have a few more later, but the one thing that I am trying to get my head around is uh, in an absurd example, what if EA says, hey, we really want to support Roblox. We are making FIFA on Roblox, right? And they would come in and take 70% of the audience away from all your indie developers, would, you, would they then make the 70 million and the rest would carve out the 30? You know, like, why is it that my, more big publishers like that are not getting involved with Roblox and building their content on Roblox? And would you allow it even if they wanted to, you know? I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, theoretically, yes. I personally think if they tried to do that, I don't know if they'd have that much success. I think there's a lot of nuances that they need to understand and the experience is really different than probably what they're used to from a game design perspective. Um, but it's not necessarily zero sum either. Um, I think as you've seen, we went from 30 to 70 to hundred over the past three years. We're expecting payouts to be even higher this year and we expect it to go up even more and more. So um, even if EA did come in and started to make a lot of money, I still think our existing developers would still be really successful. Um, why they haven't, that's a good question. I, I think. Part of it is um, they don't they don't know about the opportunity. Um, I think another part is um, it, it, it's not as easy just to come in and, and reproduce what's worked on other platforms. So I think there's a there's a steeper learning curve that needs to happen. Right, and we talked about this briefly yesterday, and I hadn't even thought about it. Is that the synchronous gameplay is probably the biggest potential roadblock, right? Because no games on mobile. I shouldn't say that. Not many games on mobile actually do synchronous, right, well. And yeah, totally. Yeah, given the social nature and the synchronous gameplay, it's just a different game design than would work on mobile. Um, right, like when you look at mobile, you know, you're, and more recently this has changed a little bit. You've seen some MMOs come in from 
uh, especially from East Asia. I mean, the majority of those are asynchronous, but do have some synchronous gameplay. Right. Obviously, a lot of the Battle Royales, I think those are extensions of kind of their core offering now. Traditionally, mobile, it's going to be a PvE asynchronous experience. There might be some light social attack on the mid to end game. Um, if you're an RPG or a strategy game, yeah, sure, your end game is going to be more alliance or guild based asynchronous social gameplay. So I think it is rare for a lot of mobile developers to think about it this way. And generally speaking, it, it was cost prohibitive, right? You would, if, especially if you wanted to go global, you'd have a pop in every major geo. So that's something that's, I think, a huge benefit that we provide that you're, you're not going to get anywhere else. Got it. And maybe the last question I have for you is really around, so the developers that have been finding success, the, you know, the Meep Cities, the Adopt Me's, these guys, what are the kinds of developers that are having the most success or what are some of the characteristics of those developers or development teams that allow them to be successful on the Roblox platform? In other words, what, what are they doing right? Yeah, I think, I think it, it all goes back to kind of understanding, you know, the, the players on Roblox. So the developers who have the most success are those who take the time to understand what works. Some of those already understand that, you know, it's, it's intuition. They've been on the platform for a long time. It's through experience. I think for new developers, it, it, there's a little bit more of a learning curve, but you know, if they take the time to iterate, test things out, figure out what works and what doesn't, um, especially with the, the stuff we've already talked about, I think they can get there. And we're seeing success with some new developers who do that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely understanding the fundamentals of the, the social network and, and how players play. Got it. All right. The the thing that uh, I always try to point out is what the key challenges are. You know, I have to pick pick it apart, right? Of course, you know, not everything's yeah, just go. easy, right? So I guess my, actually you answered my first question, I think earlier, but I want to talk about something else as well. What is the business model for like developers that don't make money, that don't have good microtransaction systems um, in your in your thing? I mean, is does your CEO take like this purist view that subscriptions are not an option? You know, like the James Halliday thing and Ready Player One, right? Where we're not we're going to let it free for everyone. Is that kind of the mantra? That's how I envision it, right? Is that like, we'll never charge for access type thing. So anyway, can you answer that quickly? Is there other the the, the, the payouts that you were talking about earlier for your creative? I guess that's kind of answers the question to some degree. But do you think you ever see a situation in which you'll do subscriptions for non-revenue generating content? Yeah, so I mean, we we have a subscription. It's 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 premium users, um, but you don't need a subscription or to spend any money to have a great experience on on Roblox. And you're right. I think you echoed what our what our stance is. We want to make sure that's that's still the case. What, that what being is the said? What is the subscription? That? The subscription just gives you currency or something. What, what yeah, is... it gives you currency at the moment. Okay, gotcha. Go ahead. But you know, to, to your point, I think we want to ensure that uh, players always have a great experience, regardless if they you know spend or they don't. Um, with that being said, I think developers can choose how they want to monetize and, and how they actually want to support the players you know in their creations. So you know, we we get some developers who don't, like I said earlier, want to monetize at all. We have a few um, instances on Roblox that literally are just showing off the fidelity level. They're really photorealistic. And you can go there and hang out with your friends and that's all it is. It's just showing off the, the technical capabilities of the platform. So I think there's a lot of diverse um, creators out there who, who have different goal sets. 
Okay. And then the second one is clearly the uh, demographic issue, right? Where, how, how are you guys planning on expanding beyond this kid demo um, and build content that attracts an older audience and keeps older audiences engaged with your platform longer, I guess is the real question. Yeah. So I think there's two ways we're really going about this. The first one is, is through the improvements to the technology and the tooling. So I gave some examples before. I have a few more, but you know, aspirationally, we want to get to a point where you can support 200 players concurrently out of the box. We're working on kind of streamlining our avatars, so there's no joints. It, it actually looks much more fluid and realistic. Um, we're really focused on physically based rendering, so higher fidelity assets, more photorealism, collaborative editing. I spoke about, and then also machine translation. So I think. A lot of that focus, and there's a lot more stuff on the roadmap, the big and small improvements that we want to make to the technology and performance. I think that's one way that you can become more appealing to an older demo, um, just by providing our developers with those tools and, and that level of performance. I also think some of the other distinct advantages that we have, especially for new developers to come in, if, if there's new developers that you know have created content before for, for an older demo, are the premium-based payouts, the fact that you can iterate really quickly, you can launch really quickly, you can get users in um, very fast and affordably. So I think that's that's what makes it a really special place, um, especially for more higher fidelity, aged up content. Gotcha. And then comp competition-wise, we don't see kind of whole lot competing directly. I mean, certainly Minecraft is probably top of the mind given Microsoft's positioning and what they're trying to do, create this ubiquitous uh, game on every platform. So similar to what, what Roblox does. And then we have a new uh, company that's starting up called Montecore. I, I can't never pronounce this right. Montecore, Manticore, Manticore. Manticore, 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 Manticore yes. Yeah, uh, we talked you, about you, before. You need, to, you need to play more Dungeons and Dragons. No, that's the scary part. Is I did play Dungeons and Dragons, and for some reason, this the, the name is just just blowing me away. Okay, um, so a buddy from uh, EA is actually the VP of marketing there, and so I'm, he's promised me a demo. But given current situation, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. But um, how do you how do you find both of those companies as competitors? Is there any other competitors that your guys are? kind of work worried about or is it you don't spend a lot of time worrying about competitors it sounds like but well now we try to focus on our on our own stuff but i think you know manicore is built is really impressive um obviously minecraft's huge success and and microsoft is continuing to push it i'll, I'll tackle manicore first i think the biggest differentiation between us and manicore is is our user base i mean 115 million monthly active users um that took a long time to get to and I think it's a really huge competitive advantage. When, when you look at Minecraft, obviously they've had tremendous success. They're huge. Um, and I, I personally play a lot of Minecraft. So um, I love the product. I think that the biggest differentiation there though is that um, on Roblox, you can create uh, your own expression. You can do something that's totally unique. Minecraft, you can definitely create content, but it's, it's somewhat within the scope of, of their overarching system. So um, I think both are, are, are awesome products, but aren't exactly the same as Roblox. That's it. I mean, those seem to be kind of the biggest potential roadblocks that you guys have. 
is if competitors, I guess what I worry about is if competitors come in, create more of a compelling system and take away the best, uh, best spending audience per se, right? So they peel off the, the bigger spenders that are looking for more compelling content. I mean, that is a risk, but given your, and, and I think what Jeff was talking about, I don't know if you could talk about this, is that the difference also is that you guys have created a both a buy and sell model, right? Where you have developers that are making games and then also an audience to actually spend money on games. And that, that's kind of how we articulated it. Like Manticore guys are just starting from scratch, right? They have nothing really, right? And it's going to take yeah. a long time for them to build that network. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's what I was trying to get at with just kind of quoting the MAUs. I think we have the supply and demand economics and right. that teeter-totter is, is really difficult and it generally takes a lot of time to hit scale and hit kind of critical mass. So it's something that, that we've been able to achieve over years and years of really thoughtful implementation, just continuing to do what we do best. But yeah, I think that's how you know, we're, we're approaching the future. We just want to continue to create awesome content, tools, products, and we feel if we can do that, then we'll continue to be on this this nice trajectory. And Minecraft doesn't have that either, right? But they don't have any user-generated... Minecraft does have some user-generated stuff. Um, for sale? They have a marketplace. Oh, they do? Uh, yeah, it's, it's for sale. But um, I, I'd say the one distinction, though, is that uh, you know, our, our offering is, is a little more unique and, and robust. Yeah, okay. All right, Joe? All right, I think that's it. So, Matt... Thanks very much for your time. And I guess last two points. One, do you have any message for our audience? And two, if anyone wants to contact you, let's say some developers who'd like to develop for Roblox, is there a good way for them to contact you? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, just saying it again, one of the coolest things about Roblox anyone can create. So um, it's just super easy. Um, it's really easy to iterate. Uh, it's, it's an awesome platform. As far as contacting, we actually do have an alias it's devrelations at roblox.com. Again, that's devrelations at roblox.com. I'm sure we'll put that in the, in the copy. Yep. Um, but happy to hear from anyone. Uh, we just want to support and, and help anyone who's interested in creating regardless of their experience level. So that's, that's our main goal, just to make it easier for, for people to create, create awesome content on the platform. Great. All right. I think that just about does it. Thank you very much, Matt. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Matt. for having me. Appreciate it.